What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of the Tough 31 Reaction Show. My special guest today is the voice of the UFC, John Anik. We commentate the entire second round of the Kurt Hollibaugh versus Jason Knight fight. We talk about John Anik's preparation anxiety when he's getting ready to commentate a fight. We talk about Kurt Hollibaugh and my relationship, Jason Knight and my relationship. Love both of those dudes, but how much did those dudes love each other? They became great friends and then had to fight each other. We break it all down. John Anik. Tough 31 reaction show. Bruce, hit him with the intro. Ladies, Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, it's time! The Ultimate Fighter Season 31 reaction show brought to you by Carsteel. Hosted by Michael Adler. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Tough 31 Reaction Show. This is episode 11, hosted by yours truly, Michael Chandler, and brought to you by Car Shield. Thank you so much for tuning in every single week. Y'all's support has been absolutely awesome. First things first, we have an awesome giveaway every single week. Connor, hit us with the winner this week. This week, we've got Nick Atkinson from Colorado. Nick Atkinson from Colorado. Congratulations. What has Nick won plus the other 10 people? The other 10 people 10. have won our As a Man Thinketh. Our giveaway is a signed copy of As a Man Thinketh, my favorite book of all time. And what's a book without a bookmark? A signed, upside down, Panini card right here in your book. And those will go out after the final episode airs. Now, let's get into episode 11 an absolute banger i can't wait to break it down because today i have a special guest you guys know i have tried my hardest to bring you guys the best guests that i possibly could but i don't think i could have found a better guest than i have with me today an absolutely mixed martial arts encyclopedia a good friend of mine a master at his craft and the voice of the ufc mr john anik my man thank you for coming in dude. my absolute pleasure to be here with you in nashville tennessee usa nashville, i know I, i'm not necessarily worthy of that introduction but it's great to be with you and uh it's been great for me to admire your work on the ultimate fighter from afar you know i'm a huge fan of you not just uh inside the octagon but everything that uh comprises the michael chandler package so it's great to be with you here today and uh got a lot to discuss we i got, got a good a, episode we got a good you yeah you you left <laughs> out with a good episode man and it was it was so funny because you know we talked and, and it's no secret i love all my dudes but there's something special about you know jason knight well, i called him the mayor of you know you actually have uh a, um years ago you gave him the nickname mississippi mean mississippi no? mean and when i was in my early years with the ufc when he showed up to a fight week and had Mississippi mean on a t-shirt. I thought it was the greatest day in my <laughs> professional life. So yeah, Jason Knight and I go way back, but I actually think the mayor is probably all things considered more appropriate because as, as much as he is Mississippi mean in the octagon, uh, as we've seen on the season, he's uh, a gentle guy. Yeah, he is, man. And, and everybody freaking loved him from my team, obviously, even when they got to fight each other, uh, the other team loved him. He's in the house. He's he's the guy who's like, all right, y'all, we're leaving in five minutes. You know, they would call. He would answer because they had a, a, a landline phone at right, the house. Right. He would answer. He would get everybody in the in the bus. He was kind of helping with stuff. He's helping guys. He's cleaning, uh, serving other people. People just absolutely loved him. So um, I always just called him the mayor, you know, yeah. and I have numerous excerpts right here in this journal that I have with me in Vegas, always kind of talking about him as a fighter. Obviously his skills are are awesome, but man, just a sweet, sweet human being. So everybody loved him and he, uh, 
went out there and had a nice fight with Kurt tonight. <laughs> people from Mississippi and people from Liverpool, England, I could just listen to them talk all day. Shout out to Brandon Davis, of course, another yeah. Mississippi guy that used to be in the UFC. But yeah, I mean, Jason Knight just resonates with people. I remember in our fighter meetings, he would just have a way and he's pretty quick witted too. even when he prays, right? Yeah. It's so thoughtful, but it's also efficient. Mm-hmm. He's a special guy, and uh, yeah, this is a special episode and fight to be sure. Yeah, he is, man. And with you know, obviously he's got the he's got the Mississippi draw, the Mississippi right, accent, right. right? But man, when he he was so funny, man, and he would hit you with little zingers, and he would you know he would make you laugh, and then he would also kind of scare you a little bit. I mean, there's ha. there's no you know there's no doubt. Like I'm like, dude, I, I don't want to fight that dude. Like that's a scary, scary fight, obviously. And then you got Kurt Holliball on the uh, complete other side of the spectrum where he's he was just so quiet. He was, and it was it was now that I after I saw this fight. You know, the Lee Hammond fight was a little tough. You know, it was like, man, you, he was losing that fight and end up, you know, pulling out the Hail Mary hollow ball. But he was so quiet. He was so thoughtful the way that he spoke. He never really got over, he never showed you, he never showed me any confidence. So yeah. it was a little bit every now and then like, man, does, does he believe in himself? Does he have it? But I think he just had that quiet confidence. Business trip, right? Business I mean, trip. focus doesn't even begin to describe it. And it is interesting as you see sort of this episode and their friendship play out. Yeah. If one guy was leaning more into that side of things, the softer side of things, it was Jason Knight, you know, mm-hmm. not that Kurt's exterior was hard necessarily, but uh, yeah, he came here on a mission and uh, by and large, most of that mission was accomplished. So. Yeah. Well, we, uh, I mean, and both dudes are just, well, we're going to break it. We're going to go into the fight, obviously, because everybody just saw the fight last night and uh, we're going to show you guys, we're going to break down right now and watch the actual second round, the fight. Ends in the second round. Obviously, we got a guy who has sat cage side since, what did you say, 2011? 2011? Yes. You know, so been sitting cage side doing this kind of stuff. So, you know, no pressure for you. To, right. To, you're like, wait, oh, wait, now I have to, now I have to like sit here and be right. a commentator for this fight. Right. You don't right. have to do that. But, but it's just cool that we have you here. So we're going to watch this because obviously, let's talk about the first round real quick. First round, Hollaball, I think, wins, won the first yeah. round for sure. Jason Knight. But Jason Knight can take so much damage and just kept on fighting. And I believe this second round, he actually was having a better showing than he did in the first. For sure. And when they gave Jason Knight a mirror at fight's end, he actually was surprised that the (laughs) aesthetic wasn't so bad. But round one was all Hollabaugh and he just was a man on a mission. And you talk about the forward pressure when we were watching Mm -hmm. the episode and uh, just commanding that center of the octagon, making it his immediately out of the jump. And uh, as we'll see in round two, tremendous volume and resolve from Jason Knight. I mean, he threw everything at Kurt in that second round, but uh, at guard was, I think, even tighter than we thought. It was, yeah. So uh, let's break this bad dog down, or at least watch it, because obviously the fans, if you, you guys saw it last night, this is a treat. So let's just go ahead and enjoy this. It's a familiar visual to see Jason Knight masked in blood to begin a mixed martial arts round. Not sure he'd have it any other way. Yeah, in the way, yeah, like, like you talked about, the way Kurt was able to, he was just always in his face. And I thought, I thought Jason Knight was going to be the guy who was pressuring. Kurt was really the one doing the pressure the entire time. And so much was made of the UFC Apex fight during the pandemic, but this visually was a crazy watch for me because not only is there no crowd, but you didn't coach. Yes, yeah, so we had no coaching either. So I'm over, I'm over in the corner. Just I had this sharpie and I was about to break it in half because I was just like every single time cringing because everybody and, and actually Connor asked before he's like, hey, is this going to be one of those quiet fights? I'm like, yeah, it's quiet. Yeah. But you're going to hear hundreds of strikes. I like how Robert Drysdale softly says to Kurt after round one, I think you won yeah, that one. I know. I was like, I don't know if we're supposed to say that. 
I want to give him a competitive advantage, but it, it was very, I think, obvious. Dude, I love Jason. How many times? He made me giggle like three times watching this fight because he was like, when he slipped, he's like, oh, that was a slip. Right. And even the, the first round, I think he kind of poked him in the eyes like, you're all right. And they took a second to respect these two dudes have for each other. Jason, I think the one thing too, I mean, Jason was throwing a lot of kicks too that I didn't really expect him to do. I thought he was just going to kind of sling ones and twos, but he probably, he probably was honestly using that as a distance mechanism too to yeah. keep Kurt away from him because Kurt was in his grill the entire time. Knight caught him there on the way out. But yeah, I guess Hollabaugh is doing even more than I thought early round two upon first watch. Mm -hmm. But you'll see Jason Knight really goes for broke here. He does. I think, yeah, it's a little bit later. He hits him with like a four-punch combo. Kurt did, now that you go back and watch, obviously, with the way this fight ends, but he did hit him with four or five solid body shots. And you talked about that bodily investment out of Hollabaugh. Mm -hmm. It was there all night. Yeah. But just look at the pressure, man. Just constantly backing him up. Oh. Jason's talking a little bit, man. So right now, though, under three minutes round two, Jason Knight's still very much in this fight. Mm -hmm. Very offensive. And can finish the fight at any time. Yep. That's what he's always been able to do. Bloodied up or not, he is going to be in your face. Oh, Look at that, man. Boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Ooh, it that just one, seemed, two, yeah. That Hollaball kept landing. That one, gosh. And Hollaball's shots were just much more consequential when they yeah. would land. Oh, here's that finishing sequence. Oh, jeez, oh. man. This body shot right here. Oh. Boom. Oh, gosh, dude. Save something for the finale, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. God. Now, that, and that, you know, that's, man, anybody would have went down to that. Yeah, Mike Tyson, Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury goes down with that freaking body shot. If you hit somebody with a four-ounce glove, the way Kurt just hit him with a six-punch combo and then bent down to his left, turned himself into a spring, and put one on the liver, man. Gosh. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, you've seen thousands of fights, right? I mean, I've seen, you know, cage side, not as many as you, obviously, but there's those fights where you're like, oh, man, I'm not going to forget that one. The sound the the leather bouncing off the skull but this one where i was so emotionally invested couldn't really say much ever i couldn't you know because whenever you're watching something you can usually like let out a little bit of uh tension by screaming or saying yeah. something i just didn't want, didn't want to make any noise so this one was just so i felt like i held everything in for so long during that entire whatever it was 12 minutes. Yeah. And it was just at, I mean, from bell to bell, bludgeoning of each other. Well, the ultimate fighter, the reality show at its core is this hugely unique set of mixed martial arts circumstances to begin with. So then when you add in the teammate versus teammate and you can't coach and so many different factors for these guys, then the friendship as a part of it. But I will say much was made during the global pandemic and rightfully so of the way strikes sounded yeah. when they hit. And for a lot of mixed martial arts fans... And even ones who are developing fans, that's something that is hard to get used to live. Yeah. The flesh on flesh sound. That fight ending sequence, like yeah. even for me, bro, <laughs> I'm like backing up. Those those audios at the end of that fight were absolutely insane in that environment. That's yeah. insane. It, well, especially too when you kind of, you know, in one of those scenarios where, you know, Jason is definitely 
Kurt's definitely getting the better of Jason, and 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 you're and you've seen it. We've seen it a thousand times in MMA where a guy's just like, okay, I'm I'm with it. I'm not hurt, but I'm in a bad spot. I can't really move left. Can't really move right. Can't re- can't go forward because you're right in front of me. And Kurt was able to throw like what twenty punches yeah. right there, and then obviously the one from the in the the liver put him down. But yeah. I'm with you. I think there's, I bet there's so many mixed martial arts fans, fans out there who love the sport and they've seen fights. Maybe they've even seen fights live and they, they felt the, the roar of a crowd. They felt the electricity there. But if they were sitting where you sit, they were sitting there cage side and they were like, I don't quite know if I feel the same. Like this is tough to watch and hear. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit different. And a lot of people would love it because we, we do love the sport and it's part of, part of it. But it's when you're sitting there cage side and you're watching these dudes and it's that kind of, noise hitting flesh and bone and this one for me obviously being in the apex the emotion i had towards both dudes didn't want either either of them to lose and i knew someone had to lose yeah was extremely uh, proud and happy for kurt but then equally as you know devastated for for the mayor mississippi mean i can't relate to the physical and mental toughness that all of you guys or most of you guys i should say possess right especially when i watch a fight like that like if you're like caucasian american male like what species am i right (laughs) we can't both be human beings because i can't relate to that toughness but i commend you man because the emotional investment is so clear and there was a scene on this episode of you and kurt next to the treadmill he might might as well be your goddamn brother Mm -hmm. man you know and it's just very powerful and i really resonate with the way you lead these guys but i do wonder if your emotional investment is such that when you're watching a fight like that, do you even recognize what's going on, that that's the best fight of the season, that that's going to get Dane and Craig Pelligian and everybody going? Probably not. You're yeah, just no. sort of emotionally so invested that you're just, you don't even know what's happening. No, in front of you. Yeah. I think the funny thing was, is, is like, for me, I loved both dudes so much. We we went through. We're stuck with each other forever. Yeah. Oh yeah, we are. We're brothers forever. And I didn't want to see either of them lose. I was more just after the first thirty seconds of that fight, maybe twenty seconds, when I was like, "Oh man, this is this is about to be a tough one to watch." Like, what, these dudes are entering the realm of someone's gonna get hurt. You know, there is you know there is some some punches being landed at at a large yeah. amount of force. So I was more just squeezing that sharpie i had in my hand right and just trying to not bur- burst at the seams and hope just hope hoping that some the the fight can end without someone getting put right. put in an ambulance and i think you know obviously jason knight did as we saw in the episode last night but um you know he, he i don't I think he was completely fine i actually saw him at i actually saw him i was leaving the apex probably around midnight probably around midnight and he just got dropped off by one of the producers or an Uber or something. And I actually, he was the only guy I saw that night because everyone else had to go do their exit interviews. They didn't get their phones back to like three in the morning, but I actually saw right. him cross pass in the parking lot. I was like, yeah, man, they, they scammed my cat. <laughs> Scam a cat. Yeah. You know, my orbital's not broken. Nose ain't, nose ain't broken. If you can believe it, you know? So it was, uh, he was he was worse looked worse for the wear, but was fine. Those guys were destined to fight, and yeah. it happened, and it couldn't have played out any better. And their lives are forever linked, even though they kind of already were. If you didn't see the whole episode, they were going to fight when they were seven and zero and four and zero respectively as pros. And as soon as Jason Knight said to his family, right, I think it was his brother, maybe I don't know. Guess who I'm fighting in the semifinals? He knew it was Kurt right away. I know. Well, yeah, I actually have that in my notes too because. Um, 
you know, on the, on the same token, on the other side, the Zoom call, Kurt Hollibaugh with his wife, his wife was equally pumped that he was fighting Jason Knight. There yeah. was this, there was kind of this, you know, finally they get to fight, you know, I'm excited right. for him to fight, you know, because I guess for them, they know who the other guy is. Whereas the other, I guess you would say 14 guys on the, on the show, none of them really knew each other, but yeah. they, Kurt and Kurt's family knew exactly who Jason was. Jason and his family knew exactly who Kurt was yeah. and they were genuinely giddy about those two fighting yeah, each other right. you know do we, we have that clip of those guys uh talking yeah because you said whenever uh kurt was seven and oh jason was four and oh or vice versa one of the two um but yeah those they lived an hour and a half from each other yeah right across the state line basically mississippi louisiana the yeah, battle of the yeah, bayou right um yeah here's robert drysdale talking to him and we're gonna still be friends afterwards. You know what would have been easier too is if you didn't know, maybe it would have been easier. You don't know who you're fighting till the day of. That would have been you interesting. Like you like didn't know who you're fighting. Think about it. Me and him, we were supposed to fight 10 years ago. Oh, no way. 10 years ago. Years ago. You know what I'm like, I feel why, like, why didn't it happen? I feel like it was part of God's plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you got to a car wreck or something. Yeah. yeah. You did? Yeah. And it was like week of the fight or something? Nah, it was a couple. Yeah, it was a while, it was a while before. So but Jason Knight gets in. Oh, so we well, there you go. Up. I mean, we live. Both undefeated. Half yeah. So That's crazy, man. Yeah, because you, know, you know how that is. Like, here in, you know, in your world, too, watching these guys come up, we all know there's the guys in the UFC debut, where they came from, what was the organization that they fought in, what very, very small local show did they start at and then move up the ranks to the LFAs or yeah. the, some of these other ones, you know? So thinking about these guys, both undefeated guys, Jason Knight, you know, thank God he's okay, but he got in a car accident, wasn't able to fight. And then these guys finally crossed paths 10 years later on ESPN and put on, and Dana White himself said, yeah. that's the fight of the season, obviously. And I'd have to go back and watch a lot of the fights, but... That was a good fight that could be up in the top 10 in tough history. Yeah. Oh, I would agree. And that's going to earn Jason Knight in all likelihood a return trip to the Octagon, even though he didn't win that fight. But it couldn't have played out any better. I would think all things considered that Jason's okay. And for you watching those two go at it the way they did. And uh, I really didn't think we were going to see a second round the way that first round was playing out. I yeah. really did not think that we were in for any sort of second round. And then to see Knight rally, I probably shouldn't be surprised. But uh, certainly as a guy who called a lot of his early UFC fights and Gave him a nickname and then had him leave the promotion. It's nice to see him getting this shine because, you know, as much as I've said you as a coach, nobody is better served to take advantage of this ultimate fighter shine than you. I thought Jason Knight really capitalized. Yeah, well, and, that's, and that's what I told these guys too. And, and obviously I think if Jason Knight wasn't the mayor and Jason Knight didn't have such a great reputation and he wasn't so sweet to everybody and, and the UFC, you know, knew like, hey, if this guy has it at all, he's going to get back to the UFC. Right. If it wasn't, even if it wasn't about the character and the man of Jason Knight, even just by that performance, they're like, okay, this is the guy that we want to see, you know? And then Kurt Holliball, man, he, obviously now he's in the finals. He's fighting Austin Hubbard. And to me, I actually think it's actually awesome that they used it. I said that, I was like, man, I feel like Kurt was playing possum the entire right, time, you right. know? Because the man, and, and, I, and you talked about the, the treadmill scene, but there was also a scene after the fight too, where I was just like, dude, I, that man that stepped in the cage and just put on this performance, this masterful performance, can go out there in the UFC and win some fights and not just win some fights. If he fights like that, he can beat a lot of guys in the UFC in that top 25 range, work his way into the top yeah. 20. He's that good. He, he lives life, right? Loves his family. He was at making both of us over here cry. Yeah. His Zoom call. 
Yeah. Well, no, that was in the, you guys in the bathroom towards the end of the episode. And sometimes all it takes, even for a veteran like that, that you would think he's UFC tested, he's hardened at this stage of his career. Sometimes all it can take is a good leader like Michael Chandler just letting you know, like, dude, you can effing do this. Yeah. But yes, we were crying. And yeah. I will say as somebody who's away a lot, I'm not away for chunks at a time. Like we have UFC 293 coming up in September. So I'll go, I'll be away for like 16 days, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'll go there and then I'll do Shevchenko Grasso on the back end. Yeah. But I can't necessarily relate. It's more for me about the stop and go. But when I see Kurt with his family and his son, has grappled for the first time without dad in town and he breaks down in tears because he can't even relay that information because he misses his dad. Yeah, fucking waterworks over yeah. here. I'm going to cry all day. I know, right? And then and then his and his wife too cuz you know, obviously the son missing his dad and and these are the kind of things that that he knew he signed up for, right? But but it's still these things that hit you in different moments and then even hearing his wife and the way that she and I actually had the pleasure of meeting or seeing Kurt, his wife um, his children at International Fight Week a couple weeks ago in oh, Vegas, wow. and I was able to see them. And uh, I actually I took a picture, and I actually like kind of embarrassed them a little bit, and because because everybody was in line to see me, there was hundreds of people in line to do watch do the pictures and, and autographs. And I was like, hey, everybody, just so you know, Kurt Hollibaugh right here, the Ultimate Fighter, you know. And I actually didn't say that he won. I couldn't say yeah, he's won right. yet or Be in careful. the finals. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad I didn't, but like Kurt Hollibaugh, he's on my team, you know, um, but getting to meet his wife and just absolute sweetheart that she was. And then just hearing what she said, I don't remember what she said, but that was when it really got me too, because knowing my relationship with my wife, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her unwavering support. And I, there's nothing more powerful, especially in this sport, but in all endeavors to have that support and yeah. having that love and support for, from a wife. So right. those little zoom calls, man, which is, did you know that it's only the semifinalists who got to do those zoom calls? Oh, did wow. you know that? No. Yeah. So it's, so it's to me, that's a tough situation. They're like, Oh, sorry, you lost. And not only do you have to deal with losing, but actually you don't get to do a zoom call and watch these other guys do zoom that's calls. Harsh. But that's it's harsh. that it's the ultimate fighter, man. It's, it's like, it was the constant, hey, what are we doing today? What are you throwing at us today? Hey, is this allowed? Is right. this not allowed? Right. You know, they're in charge. They are at every, you're at their mercy in all these different decisions. And then there was other times like the team switch thing where I couldn't get a, can't get, couldn't get an answers out of them. But yeah. to, to uh, have these guys do the Zoom calls and, you know, Kurt, making us cry over here. Jason Knight was like, hey, guess y'all guess who I'm fighting. Right. Whoever it was, I don't know who it was. He's like. Kurt Hallibaugh. Right, of course. <laughs> I will say, though, I will call Kurt's next fight and think about the lens into his life that those mm -hmm. visuals give me from that 11th episode. Right now, certainly we have fighter meetings and his wife's and kid's name can be all over my fighter cards. And he might relate to me just how important that all is to him in our fighter meeting. But now I really know. Right. Now I really know what that man is all about. And I know what his son is all about. And I know largely what his wife is all about. And um just gets me very excited to uh to honor him on his walkout and in the fight. He's one of the good ones, man. And it's it's just it's cool to see. And it's and but that's why we love that's why we love this sport. That's why we love that's why people have loved this show too, watching these guys, and especially these last four episodes, because you know, they did the backstory on the first eight, and then now uh Obviously, these last four, there's a lot more, a lot more deep depth, if you will. But then there's a lot more you're showing up. They're showing a lot more training because these there's enough time in these episodes and there's even more reaction or relationship stuff with me and my guys, which I'm a lot more yeah. happy about because um, obviously we won so many fights that it's mainly team sure, Chandler's sure. here. But um, 
what just an absolute awesome showing by Kurt. I swear he was playing possum. And you've ne and you've yeah. never fought anyone that's that close to you, right? In no. terms of a friend, because no. there's this visual at the weigh in, bro. Mm -hmm. And even for myself, I think I said to you off the air, like, that's almost a little much for me. Like, these guys are shoulder to shoulder as they're about to weigh in. Like, their flesh is yeah. touching a lot before they're about to compete. Yeah. I would think at one point you flip the switch and they didn't even flip it. Yeah. One, you flip it and be like, hey, you sit there, I'll sit over here. Like, it's just kind of weird, right? No, they were just like, right. hey, man. Here we go. Are you are you going up for? You think he's going to call your name first or mine? You know, and then Jason goes up first or vice versa. I guess you don't know how you would handle, and this is supremely yeah. unique a circumstance. But I'm curious how a lot of guys would handle fighting somebody that uh, they've been sort of forever linked to, and now they're teammates and friends. It's yeah. a weird dynamic. Well, it's it, and that's why I love this show too, giving me giving me time to watch the episode and then break it down with somebody answers and different perspectives and questions from other people, because I've questioned numerous things, you know, like for, for, uh, Roosevelt Roberts, was this real tight team atmosphere? Was that the better option for him? Because he admitted, well, I wish I wouldn't have gotten so invest emotionally invested in these things. Right. If, and then like a guy like Brad Katona, even though it was the exact opposite of what I wanted him to do, I wanted him to buy into Team Chandler. I wanted him to buy into the system and trust us and, and believe in us that we had his best interest at heart. I can't quite say that I would, wouldn't act just as much like Brad Katona as he is if I was given this circumstance. You know, would I be just Team Michael? Would it be right, like, hey, right. I know all y'all are here. We got, we're in the same color. We're on the team, whatever it is. Would I have been a team guy? Would I have been a, an outsider? I don't, don't, you don't quite know unless you actually have gone through the show. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, I think to a man, they're all better for having rubbed shoulders with you. And uh, not every coach embraces this, you yeah. know? Not every coach wants to naturally lead. We've had a lot of elite fighters on The Ultimate Fighter that have tried to impart wisdom and to whatever degree... They're either preaching to closed minds or they're not totally embraceive of the experience, whatever it may be. But uh, it's been a joy to watch, man. It really is. And you talk about being bonded with these guys for life. Like a lot of my questions thrown back at you are like, all right, now, I mean, that finale is going to be uh, is going to be a real challenge for you. You it know, yeah, the finale is you wanted it. Yeah. The finale is going to be a be a challenge. Uh, you know, obviously. What can we say? Oh, yeah. So obviously we know Kurt versus Austin. You know, I'm trying to funny. be careful here. Like <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> this fight between Jason Knight and Kurt Hollibaugh already happened, and I'm like afraid I'm going to spoil something. Yeah. Like the fight already happened. We know Kurt won. I know. I know. But I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so the only one we don't know of right now is – you know, Rico and, and Cody. Cody, how that, how that fight goes down, obviously. So we'll, we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk more about the finale. We need to take a little break from a word from our sponsor. Now's a good time to thank our show sponsor, CarShield. We're all about who's the greatest here and CarShield really goes to the mat for vehicle owners. They're the number one most trusted auto service protection company in America, and they're here to help protect you from surprise car repair costs. Flexible month-to-month -month plans through CarShield can cover up to 5,000 parts of your car after they break down. When you're covered through CarShield, you'll always have someone in your corner at the repair shop. Visit carshield.com and check it out now. Now, back to the show. Okay, now that we're done with the break. So, yes, Austin Hubbard versus Kurt Hollibaugh in the finals. Woo! Trying to get, you know, Kurt, who has been playing possum, I thought, the entire show. And then if I could, if I could say, hey, which guys in the – on my team were the most alike. I would say it was Austin Hubbard versus Kurt Hollibaugh mm. from, from the perspective that they were both very quiet, but now knowing watching how the show played out, 
they were both very quiet, quietly confident because they are very, very confident in their skills. So it was, uh, so it's interesting that those guys are going to fight in the finals. Well, I'm both confident in their skills because they're both UFC level. Like mm -hmm. Austin Hubbard is legit. Kurt, of course, we've centered on him throughout the episode, but Austin Hubbard dealt with a lot of circumstances throughout his UFC career the first time around. Obviously that leg compartmental thing that he dealt with, like don't Google the damn pictures, yeah. right? But these guys really do deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. So I think it is fitting that these are the two last men standing. I'm curious how it played out relative to your expectations in this division going in. Yeah, you know, honestly, um, I didn't have much of a of a feeling. You know, I think because because you go back to the age old question. I'd actually like to go back to that, but I would like to pose the question to you. If I said, "Whose idea was this veterans versus prospects thing? What a stupid idea! Of course, the veterans are going to win." Do you agree with the people that say, "Of course, the veterans were going to win"? Or what, what would be your perspective on that? Because I, I hear that a lot, but I had a, I have a, a perspective that I think hopefully flips people on their head a little bit on the way they're thinking about it. Well, I found it interesting when I would ask guys like Eddie Alvarez, would you rather coach the veterans or the prospects? You know, how a lot of those guys would want to teach the green fighters mm -hmm. with the open minds as opposed to the guys who have actually been there and done that. I was surprised to see how critical some were of veterans versus contenders. But uh, when I saw the roster, I was very excited about a lot of the guys working their way back into the show. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, and the way that I saw it, too, because I'll give you I mean, I had a lot of apprehensions. You know, obviously I had the veterans and I'm like, OK, well, this guy's Cody Gibson's a school teacher and. And, you know, Kurt Hollibaugh could be just fine the rest of his life doing his BJJ uh, schools and right. making money that way. And, and Austin Hubbard had a had a, a job with his father-in-law's rest, water restoration company or whatever it was. And these other guys had other jobs, kind of, I don't want to say part-time fighters, but guys who had kind of seemingly, if you looked at it on paper and say, hey, do you want this guy who's got this smaller record, hasn't been to the big show, but he's got one goal and that's to go to the UFC and right, be a right. champion someday. Or this guy who got cut from the UFC, now he's a school teacher. What what would you want to choose? I, my knee-jerk reaction is, well, I'll take this guy who's quote unquote, still got the dream alive. You right, know? So, right. But then I was completely, all of those apprehensions were completely gone by the wayside once I started really getting in and like Cody Gibson is an absolute savage. Dude. Like Kurt Hollibaugh, yeah, he might be a BJJ coach at his, at his gyms, but obviously you see how right, he is. Right. Like Austin Hubbard, yeah, he's got his part-time job with his, with his father-in-law, but these dudes still were hungry and they had that chip on their shoulders. So at the beginning, I was like, okay, veterans, this could be tough. We might just get mollywhopped because these guys don't quite, quote unquote, believe it anymore. And yeah. that's when I really realized this was going to be more of a heart. Yeah. a heart quest and a mind quest yeah. than it was an X's and O's quest. Yeah. That's fascinating to hear. I probably called 300 UFC live events, thousands of fights. And there are some fighters that we would classify as the happy to be here. Mm -hmm. And checking that box to get to the UFC for a lot of fighters is the final goal. And even if you're not in the goal setting business, I do think for a lot of mixed martial arts athletes, right? You happen to be one of the highest profile guys to cross in, but a lot of fighters want to check that UFC box before they go into retirement. It's not even necessarily about a world title, but when I see like Mississippi mean, right. Mm -hmm. And Roosevelt Roberts and Cody Gibson, right. I mean, look at his UFC history, the Aljamain Sterling fight and everything else, right? Like it just struck me as a particularly hungry group on paper. And that's not even peeling back the individuals. Yeah. So, well, that was, and that was cool to be able to, you know, because obviously they had, they had the foundation and then we had, and I did have, you know, you talked to, you, you 
called it out too. Jason Strout, what a what an amazing life he is living oh, right now. And, what a and guy. The, you know, the brand he is building. And Needs just, a haircut. Great guy. <laughs> long hair. But like, uh, you know, but that's that makes him him. And, and just, I believe my coaching staff, Ryan Bader, who won a season of the Ultimate Fighter, Robert Drysdale, who coaches champions. Legend. Bob Cook, who has coached numerous UFC champions. I brought in a group of guys that had the X's and O's on point, but they were all, they're all awesome human beings too. So I think we just created this really cool thing to be able to make these guys believe in themselves. If they could just get them to believe themselves a little bit more yeah. and look in the mirror and say, you know what? I do deserve to not just be here, but I deserve to get to the big show. I deserve to win my next fight. I deserve to put on a great show. And that's, man, you lead with love. Very few things can, can, will be, you will be thwarted in very few ways if you lead with, yeah. with these guys. Probably a good way to segue back to a clip that I requested Colin Chase for us yeah, in did. the bathroom. Because yeah. when I think about Colin Kurt's next fight, yeah. I think about this scene, right? And I think about trying to find a way on broadcast to articulate this type of interaction because some of your preconceived thoughts about this show, right? Oh, Kurt, I mean, dude, how do you crack into this guy? Mm -hmm. Like he's been there, he's done that several times over. And yet sometimes it's just the right voice at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, uh, this little clip here, I'm, I'm so glad they showed it. Cause there was, there was numerous clips back there in that bathroom that I was just like, man, like that was our little locker room bathroom where we're everywhere, where you're, you're able to get away from the noise. And I would just go back there and have my moment with my guys, whether it was Hunter, Hunter, or the, the guy, the only guy who lost, he had all this pressure on him. Yeah. He's the eight fight, eighth fight, amazing man. And he loses. And we had this moment where we both cried together back there. And there's just the, that bathroom. I'll never forget. You. I know exactly what it looked like. And you know, it's, uh, it was a, a cool, cool moment. So let's, let's play that clip real quick of me and Kurt. Crank it up a little bit. The most masterful performance I've ever seen. Thank you. Dude, it was that's, so, man, when so I'm, good. Whenever I fight my fight, that's what I can do. Hey, dude. That's what I did. Hey. Yes, all, all my good victories. I just got to keep it in my mind that I can do this. Like, you can do I can do this. You can, dude. Hey, the dude I just saw fight right there can freaking do it, dude. Can do it. Hey, big I appreciate time. it, man. Love dude, you, dude. I'm freaking proud of you, dude. Dude, just that, that moment, like you. just looking into his soul, yeah. like you can do it, yeah. you know, because I, I, like I said, I had my apprehensions with Kurt and, and obviously I was definitely wrong. The man believes in himself, but it was, it was hard to get in and try to see like, does he believe? And then, then he had the, you know, and I would tell Kurt this to his face, like that kind of subpar showing a little bit against Lee where he didn't really get a lot going. And then thank God he was able to pull off the Hail Mary hollow ball, but I'm like, right. okay, well, so now does he feel like he kind of got lucky in that or is, is he still confident, right? Well, even in that moment, it's sort of not that he's leaning into the negativity, but it seems like his inner monologue is like, well, yeah, that was great, but why can't I do that all the time? Yeah. I'd still be in the UFC, mm -hmm. right? And it's sort of trying to, and I try to do this in my professional life, like leaning into the positive, like, crack a smile, bro. Right. Yeah. Someone had to win the rivalry or, you know, the friend match between you and Jason, you won it and you did it by TKO, maybe crack a grin. Yeah. I actually, yeah, I actually didn't, didn't pick up on that. Yeah. It was kind of a, yeah. If I just fought my fight, it was kind of a, kind of going back to the, you know, but, but I don't always do that or these other things where man masterful is the, I think the right word to use there. It was absolutely masterful. The way he walked him down, the way he took the brawler, Jason Knight yeah. kind of out of his, out of his element because Kurt kept so much pressure on him. And then just the speed and the accuracy and the power, man, I held mitts for him. I play sparred with him. I watched mitts. I felt, heard the cracks. 
the dude has power and the dude now his third time in the UFC, I think is going to go make some noise. Yeah. So it, but those moments, man, uh, I'll just, I'll never forget them. You know, the first time Jason Knight was on Kurt's radar, he was four and oh, right now he's like 20 and seven. So he fought like a guy who knew how to fight that particular yeah. physical challenge. And, uh, maybe he didn't even need coaches, but, uh, a really cool episode and moment for him. And when you think about his family aging, and growing together and then going back and watching that. And you and I have talked off the air about all these cool things for mm. you and Hap and your new boy. And But for them, right, for his boy who could go on to become a monster, looks like he might even have more natural size than Kurt, by the yeah. way. It's going to be really cool for them to watch that episode. Oh, yeah, back. for sure, man. Watch that. And then, you know, and, and Kurt's – that was the one good thing about Kurt too, for sure, is his work is being in the gym. I think that's one good thing. Yeah. You know, he is a he is an – he is a mixed martial artist owning his own schools in uh, Louisiana. Um, so being surrounded by it, getting his boys and his kids in it. Um, yeah, man, I'm still going back to that zoom call. It was, it was a, it was a good one. So <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Um, but man, it was, it just, uh, it worked out. And I, and like we said too, Jason Knight, it better be getting a call. Jason, he'll Knight get a better, call. you know, he'll better get be call. getting that call. He's, yeah. I don't wield any power when it comes to the matchmaking, but I feel pretty convicted in saying that yeah. Jason Knight's going to get a call. And, uh, you know, I didn't cry for probably 10 years of my life. And then I had kids and now I just cry anytime I see yeah. any type of child parent interaction. Yeah. For a while it used to just be the father daughter stuff. Now it's like, I can't even watch movies on airplanes <laughs> because I just start crying. But when we saw Jason Knight with his family and you see, in that moment, right? Like for me as a broadcaster, you know how loved he is, but mm. even his, like you see how much his stepdaughter loves and appreciates that man just in that little visual. But I said to you, how's Jason Knight not crying? And then yeah. they show Kurt. Yeah, Kurt's crying. <laughs> yeah. I get it, Kurt. Yeah, I know, man. It was, it's, uh, and that was a cool thing, man. They're just, and I just always keep going back to, the, you know, uh, these are my guys for life, man. They're just the relationships. It was just such a cool freaking just a cool thing to, you know, to be stuck with these guys, you know, I say yeah, stuck right, because, right. because there was so many things that were out of, especially their control. I mean, and going back to the family thing and you were kind of asking, Hey, how long were these guys away from their family? When was the last time they had contact with them? And they, you know, they had no phones, no outside, uh, no outside communications. I felt, uh, kind of a little bit guilty. I always had my phone with me, right. Sure. I had my phone with me at practice and like, you know, was able to talk to my family numerous times a day if I wanted to, and they were not able to do any of that stuff. I, I can't imagine what that, for when that Zoom call goes, when it finally like pops up and you're just like, oh God, I finally get to see him, you know? Where is your family the days leading up to your fights? Where are your kids and your wife like the night before you compete? The, is that a fair question on the air? That's a great question. Yeah. The night before, um, so Hap has only been to one fight. Hap right. went to the Tony Ferguson fight. Yep. Um, but Hap has not been on a fight week for years. Right. I think the last time he went was like Chicago right. uh, years ago, before I was in the UFC. Right. Um, but but Bree, I don't see her a ton before fights. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, I actually was talking to somebody about this last night. Hey, what's your what's your pre-fight or your pre-couple days leading up to the routine? And I feel like depending on where I'm at in the weight cut, depending on how the camp was, depending on who the opponent is, depending on just my mentality, what's going through my mind, um, how much time in my, my wife, Brie knows like, Hey, if I'm just like, Hey, why don't you just go, you know, do your thing. Like she knows I love her like crazy, but maybe I just don't want to be around her right now. Maybe I just want to be, yep. I want to be here. I want to be here with Randall. I want to be here with DeMarquez. I want to be here with Henry. I want to be here with just my guys. Like for some reason it feels right to just be with sure. my guys. And then sometimes I'm like, 
hey guys, yeah, why don't you all you go grab dinner? I'll, I'll catch up with you later. I mean, you just like sit, right. sit and lay on bed and watch, you know, TV for right. a few minutes and, and spend a ton of time with her. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of hit or miss, and I don't know why or when or why I feel a different way. It's so fascinating for me to watch from afar. A guy like Benil Daryush will have his I daughter sleeping brought him, yeah, brought in that up. the hotel room the night of a big fight against Charles Oliveira, and I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. I'm not a professional athlete, right? I'm not a fighter, but as you guys try to hit your most primal state, I just feel like some separation maybe would yeah. be good. I had all my kids, including my five-year-old son, come to the Jacksonville show recently. Nice. And even for me, right, I'm not fighting, but I am performing and there's a lot that goes into this, right? Like I'm going to leave you and I'm going to go prep, right? I had my entire family at a different hotel, right? There's next to no communication like before the fight and I'm not fighting another man in an enclosed space, right? Yeah. So I find these family dynamics to be particularly interesting, especially how high-level fighters handle it during fight week because, well, uh, yeah, my kids would be nowhere to be found. Well, yeah, but even but yeah, but even thinking about that, you think about, you know, me and Benil Dariush kind of very close to each other in the rankings, both big fights or whatever, but two completely opposite. I cannot imagine sleeping, you know, in the same room as my, my wife and son. And it's like, no, it's, you know, and it's, no, no I can't, way. I can't imagine it, but it doesn't mean my way is right. And of his course, way is wrong. of course. And he's There's, realized a lot of success with the yeah. kids sleeping in the room. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's kind of one of those things where it's similar to the weight cut to me. I don't understand why guys can't just wait that one more day after, after, after a weigh in, there's definitely guys who are like, okay, screw it, man. I'm going to eat pizza now. I'm going to eat. And I'm just like, hey, dude, you got 24 more right, hours. Right. You just did it for eight weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it may be. You have 24 hours left. Just wait that 24 hours. Eat some good food before you actually go do what you have trained so hard to do. Right. For me, it's kind of the same thing where it's like, okay, well, I'll get to sleep next to my wife in 24 hours. Of course. Like tonight. Like you said, I, it's it's a good perspective too because you sit. Not only do you are you cage side and everyone hears your voice and you're and you're breaking or you're analyzing the fights or commentating the fights, but you do. For those of the, you that don't know, our pre our our fight week stuff always there's at least a uh, twenty minute interview. You and DC Megan O'Leary, you know, you guys are asking us questions about the fight, you know, and and you get to hear all these different things right. about how a, how a guy's feeling, what's his what's his. Because you guys are doing essentially taking your notes and doing your research yeah. where you can say, hey, in the pre-fight meeting, Joe said blah, 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 you know. So you get to see and ask these guys so many different questions about how things went and how their camps are going and how the training was going, you know. And it's it's like I, for me, I'm just like there's 24 hours left, yeah. you know, just right. get the job done, go, go into that. It's okay to go into that yeah. primal mode, you know. And, Get after it. Well, think about how much gasoline now I have when I sit down with Kurt for our fighter meeting, That's right? Really cool. It's really cool. But yeah, the fighter meetings for me, like hand size is a huge tell in terms of like power, right? Some of these mm -hmm. guys have tiny, tiny hands mm -hmm. and some of these weights have hands that are bigger than heavyweights. Like Montel Jackson wears a, a bigger glove than Francis Ngannou and he, weigh, and he fights at 135 pounds, Goodness you know? Gracious. So, but like, I remember seeing Leon put his hands on the table. I'm like, Ooh, dude, you don't want to get hit with one of Leon's <laughs> hands, you know? But you'll see Charles Oliveira come through with the greatest entourage in mixed martial arts history. And those guys roll so deep and they all love each other so much that, uh, it makes me very envious for whatever bond it is that yeah. they all have. Uh, but yeah, it's really cool to see how different guys approach it. Some come in with their coaches, some come in, even the high profile fighters like Jan Bohovic just comes in by himself. God really? love him, you know, yeah. but it is, uh, it's a really cool setting and, uh, it's, uh, it's an inconvenient truth. I think for a lot of fighters having to, uh, stare down the broadcasters 
the day that they're about to get into their weight cut. And the other thing, too, is that we are paid to be critical. Now, I am a play-by-play announcer. I'm not an analyst, per se. I'm not a color commentator. That doesn't mean I don't editorialize at times. That doesn't mean I don't walk up to that line or provide some color analytically at times. But, you know, Michael Bisping is paid to be critical. He is not paid to make friends. And so sometimes for us... The host hotel can be a tricky navigation yeah. because there are certain dynamics, you know, not a show goes by where some fighter or coach or fan isn't upset with something. And oh, uh, it just kind of comes with the territory and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But um, yeah, those fighter meetings can take on a life of their own, to be well, sure. Well, and even thinking about that dynamic two of the guys holding the microphones or wearing the cans, whoever it is, or whether it's, you know, if it's, if it's you who who'd you guys just do the last uh, pay per view with? You DC and Rogan, but and he Rogan. he doesn't come to those fighter meetings traditionally. Yeah, so. no, he doesn't. But yeah, so you got you DC and Rogan. That's kind of the you know the dream team yeah. on, the, on the big ones these days. But um, but then you think about some of these other ones, especially like a, a Michael Bisping who's, yeah. who's fought and he's not afraid to say what he yeah. say what he wants. Dominic Cruz says what he you know, yeah. says what he oh, wants yeah. to, and and it's interesting too that dynamic of people not really quite understanding what everybody's role is of, like you said, whether you're, are you an analyst, a commentator, a color commentator, yeah. a play by play, like all of those different terms, yeah. you know, and, and it's something I've kind of been obviously interested in and also becoming friends with you and watching what you're doing and, and understanding the dynamic back there. And, and then you, I think the fans at home and even me, when you're watching fights, you're like, okay, that's why that guy said that because that was his role in right. that scenario. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a tricky world. thing. Well, I'll just, so I had a fighter meeting with Kyler Phillips today, right? Yeah. And I had I'd been on his Instagram page prior and I was like, dude, this dude looks like he is in unbelievable shape, right? So I opened with a question about his muscle mass and he quickly dismissed that question, right? I come to find out later in the day that maybe he's been out so long because of suspension. I had no idea that the guy was suspension. So he oh. might internalize my question as being like, what are you saying, dude? You know, oh, right? Yeah. So there's always something that sort of happens. And it's like, I had no idea, but I thought Kyler looked great. And I think he's going to perform well. But uh, yeah, man, it's uh, I try so hard to be objective and to be on good terms and to promote all of these athletes, you know, even somebody on a on a level like you, a high profile athlete like you, even trying to comment on an Instagram post every now and again. I want as many of these 800 athletes on this roster to feel the love as much as humanly possible and uh, can't always be that way. But uh, that's that's the goal. No, of course. And you you do a phenomenal job at it, man. And it's it's uh, it's so cool watching your rise all these all these years. And now it's like, OK, if you're if you weren't on a big pay-per-view, you're like, OK, now it just doesn't feel right. You know, well, just, it you, doesn't man. feel like it doesn't feel like a, a, a normal pay-per-view, right? If you if you weren't on a pay-per-view, because you have be, you have, you have, every, everybody has heard your voice so much now, especially on the big fight nights too, where it's like, hey man, you better not go anywhere. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, I did Bellator season one, as you know, back in two thousand nine, and I was freaking out, you know, calling some of those early fights involving like Jorge Gamebred Masvidal and some other high-profile fighters, and. Uh, Yeah, just very thankful to be in this position, man. And I think I was sort of groomed the right way by the UFC. I spent my first five years sort of working the small shows. I've done 28 shows in Brazil. And uh, wow. Yeah, it's been crazy. 28 shows in Brazil. It's been crazy. Check the record. Well, there was a time where we had a television contract in Brazil that necessitated us being there seven times a year. Mm -hmm. So Goldie would do the one pay-per-view and then I would do the six fight nights in Brazil. So like 2013, the year of Vitor Belfort, when he beat Dan Henderson, Luke Rockhold, Michael Bisping, back to back to back, all in Brazil. You know, we're on the equator in non-climate controlled venues. I mean, it's crazy to think back on some of this stuff, but I'm so thankful 
for all of those repetitions because I never expected this to happen as quickly to become the number one guy. I certainly wouldn't have left ESPN if I didn't think that I could eventually work with Joe, Mm -hmm. but I didn't expect it to happen as quickly as it did. And uh, thankfully, I had enough repetitions to be ready to whatever degree when they called my number in 2016 or whatever it was. Well, repetition, but, you know, and we talked about this before you know, going on air too. your, you know, your little videos where you give people an inside look. And I love it too. Cause it's kind of the, it's the same thing, whether you're an athlete or whatever vocation you're in. I'm like, Hey guys, this is what I did. This is how I prepared. This is blah, blah, blah. And I'm, and I'm teaching them the amount of people that you're bringing value to by saying, Hey, look at all these cards. You know, we got your note cards down the amount of research you do, the amount of, the amount of attention to detail that you put into your craft. Yeah. You know, maybe it happened fast and everybody will say, you know, Hey, can't believe he, he did it that fast, but the amount of work that you put in, you know, and it's what it always, always goes back to. It's you know? so true. Man. It really is. And especially when we have children now, it's crazy. Like my daughter's going to be 12 on Saturday and I'm missing her birthday. And, uh, which I guess is neither here nor there, but I say to her all the time, it's like, you have no idea what hard work is. I was like, you know what's sad, honey? And I mess with my kids. I'm like, hey, babe, you know what's sad? Like, you have no effing clue what hard work is, right? Because academically, like I got two daughters. One of them academically is very inclined. The other one's going to have to work really hard, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd almost rather be the hard worker, yeah. you know, than the one who maybe is a little bit gifted, right? Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you saying that. And yes, everything comes back to hard work. And even when I try to share some of my process with the masses, right, you got to tune out the noise, right? I'm not trying to prove to people how hard I work. Yeah. You know, there was a time I grabbed a microphone in Abu Dhabi and I was like, Yeah, I know I work hard, but am I any good, right? Like everybody tells me, oh, you work hard, you prepare, but am I any good naturally as a broadcaster or do I just effing work hard, right? But it all comes back to hard work. And I try to share my process with people to inspire young broadcasters or to let people know how much respect we have for the athletes. You just have to tune out the noise of people who think you're putting it out there just to uh, prove to people that you're actually working and not out drinking beers. Well, yeah. Well, for sure. Yeah. Because it, it could very easily seem like someone just shows up on you know Friday or whatever, and then they hop on the cans yeah. or the microphone and they're like, oh, he knows enough about MMA to, right. to get by. Right. right? But but even if you even if you did, you wouldn't, you know, well, because, right. because, and I love what you just said. It's a disrespect to the athlete to not, for you to not put in that kind of work to, you know, it's similar to, uh, you know, Cameron Haynes, you yeah. know Cameron Haynes is right. I love what he says. The reason he talks about training so hard is that he wants to be in the best shape possible. Why? Because whenever he pulls that arrow back, it's disrespectful for him not to be in shape and in a good spot to be able to put that arrow where it needs to be yeah. to make a clean kill on an animal. Yeah. Kind of very similar. It's, it is in a nutshell, disrespectful to all of us for you to just kind of, if you yeah. did just kind of show up and do 100%. it halfway. And I love, I love that you just said that because that's, that's amazing. Now Cameron Haynes overtrains. <laughs> but, but I love you, Cameron. <laughs> he overtrains. He'll love that. But what I always uh, say to people is that if there was a power outage and this fight card got delayed five hours, I can make use of that time. There's always another interview I can read. There's always another video on one of the prelim fighters that I can find. And part of that is why I have so much preparation anxiety. I have no performance anxiety. When I'm going to call Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, I'm staring into a camera. Yeah, there's a million people on the other side. I have no anxiety doing that. The anxiety is in the preparation because it's like, it's never enough. And you know, like on Saturdays I'll wake up and maybe I'll be light on a couple guys. And so I obviously, I close all those gaps, but dude, you cannot over prepare for these shows. Brian Stam was the guy who I learned from 
you can never overprepare. And I do think that, you know, what's going to kill me eventually is all the anxiety that comes with getting ready to be ready on 30 fighters every Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, most people will never kind of understand what, I mean, 30 fighters and all of their backgrounds and their record and the way they won, the way that they lost their history, the things that they said, you, you talk about watching interviews on people, watching what they've said, watching where their mentality was two years from now. And then they made a transition. They switched camps. You, you got to know all these different things. And that, I think that's, you know, I did it once and it was, it, it was in hearing your videos and you, you gave me a little bit of tidbits of advice, yeah. which was very awesome. But it, I felt like that where I was like, this is a lot of work to do a lot of preparation. And I love that you said you can't really over-prepare. There's always a moment where you're like, well, I could do more. Of I could have started two days earlier. I'm yeah. sure, you know, and but I'm in a back to back right now. Oh, so gosh. coming off a of pay-per-view. So the preparation is a little bit crunch. And then of course you got Michael Chandler calls. You got to make the damn time, yeah, you know? know, um, but it is, uh, it's a labor of love. And I I do try to have moments of gratitude. Like I go to the Palm Beach County Public Library during pay-per-view weeks on Monday or Tuesday, and cool. I'm watching mixed martial arts and being paid to watch this film. So yeah, even though my process is arduous and maybe a little bit antiquated at this stage, handwriting all my own notes, at the end of the day, I'm still being paid to, to watch sports and watch mixed martial arts. And the goal for me, it was to be paid to watch football or basketball, but the goal was always to be paid to watch and talk about sports, and uh, and I'm doing it. So um, you just got to earn it every show. You are you know? doing it. Yeah, the rent is due every single day, but you it's are true. doing it. You are crushing it. You've, you're a man, dude. You are the man, and it's really, really cool. And, and I do appreciate you taking this time because it's. Uh, I know it's a, uh, it's uh, a a lot of process you got to do to get through all this stuff. So we're gonna let you get to that very soon. So. Dude, Michael Chandler calls you, take that call, but it was really cool to go through this process with you. I showed up today. I was like, dude, I hadn't watched the episode yet. You're like, yeah, dude, don't worry. We got to yeah, it's copy for it. it. You know, <laughs> neither but, have uh, I, neither have I, <laughs> but no, I mean, I commend you for everything that you've done. And, um, you know, I know you've created like lifelong relationships with these guys and, uh, I could fire a million questions your way and just be like, dude, so what's your relationship going to be like with this guy? Like, so is this guy going to come to Nashville now? You know, it's really exciting, but, um, you know, I just felt like it was a perfect fit. And uh, obviously, 7-1 speaks for itself. 7-1 speaks for itself. It was a perfect fit. And, and this episode was a perfect fit for you because it was a, the best fight of the season so far. So I'm glad you... Uh, How did Jason Knight not break a bone in his face? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I Don't quote me on that. He might have. <laughs> he might have lied. He, he would be the guy that would lie right, to me. He'd be right. like, got my, got my cat scan. Nothing's <laughs> broken. Like, all of a sudden, he's like, actually got a broken nose right, and a broken right. orbital and a broken forehead. And he, he's right. just Mississippi mean. That's he right. He ain't, he ain't uh, admitting it. So, um, well, John, thank you so much for being here. This is an absolute honor. Uh, I know the fans at home, everybody watching is, is very blessed and the beneficiary of you being here because you are the man. So thank well, you thank so you, much, buddy. Man. Dominic Cruz introduced us in 2016 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's right. And I was in your ear trying to get you to the UFC. And I'm not sure anybody was as happy other than maybe Bree and the rest of the Chandler clan the day you signed, man. I knew it was an eventuality, but uh, I'm just happy that uh, I know you're not here for a long time, but it's been a good time. Thus far. We're here for a good time. I, yep. I'll never forget that down in, uh, in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, down there by the river. That's right. And then we grabbed some food somewhere. So um, yeah, that was the first time. And here we are. Now we're almost six fights deep. Now some so. of us are almost 50 years old. So. <laughs> and some of us are almost 40. Big. Cut that. Cut that out. <laughs> Cut that out. Uh, thank you, John. I appreciate it. My man. man. You guys appreciate you, brother. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we'll see y'all later. Like, comment, subscribe, do all the stuff. Uh, if you guys got any questions for John, put them down in the comments. And uh, as always, thank y'all for tuning in. God bless. We'll see you at the top.